Welcome to the Just Being Honest podcast. This is your host, KB. I'm a lifestyle designer, intuitive healer, and a creator of a wellness workspace called the KB Apothecary. Welcome to my world. We're cultivating a lifestyle environment based with quality of consciousness for all, here to unveil your authentic truth. What does that mean? listening to find out because we are all multi-hyphenate beings so join me on the ride it's getting deep hi guys back for another week of the just being honest podcast i have a really cool guest on the show today something that hits home personally and i think hits home personally to a lot of us um i have been sharing you just tidbits of my personal health journey as I mosey along this amazing thing called life. (laughs) We go through ups, downs, we go from side to sides. Um, But something that I was kind of mentioning to you guys that, you know, along with my autoimmune, I have been experiencing and I knew instinctually that in the back of my brain that my hormones were completely out of whack. Like many of you guys, I've, I feel like it's almost like a trend that our hormones are out of whack. Perhaps that's due to stress, um, anxiety, um, you know, environmental influences, whatever have you. But, um, I got some hormone tests done as of recently. It took a while to get them back. I was tapping my fingers anxiously, which probably didn't help the situation anymore. But I noticed um, that within myself, I had some bodily changes. Um, I'm in my early 30s. And um, basically, you know, I work out a lot. I eat very, very healthily. Yet, I had some... Um, weight fluctuation, that being on the gain side that I was not super happy with. I know, I know we should all love the body that we're in, but when we are, um, and I'm going to say this with a heavy heart to everyone, because when we are used to our body looking a certain way, our face looking a certain way, and then everything changes in the matter of like a couple of months and we feel like we can't, you know, work and, you know, mentally, you know, facilitate our lives the way that we used to. Our energy has been down, can't wake up in the morning, can't run like I used to, although I was working out more. The weight wasn't going back, all right? So I could do a thousand one abs, yet, you know, I had stubborn belly fat. Um... And, you know, not to say that I'm not grateful for the way that I, you know, perform, look, but self-confidence really, really can take a turn for the worst when um, we're not performing or feeling the best that we know we can feel. So as I'm trying to beat around the bush (laughs) here, um, yes, I had some hormone tests done. I knew something was up. And turns out my estrogen levels were very low. And so that being said, my serotonin and dopamine levels were just out of the wazoo. I was having mood swings. I was crying. I was laughing. 
you know, within the span of probably 10 seconds. Um, yeah. So that being said, I am working on some things, but you know, with the topic of hormones coming up, I can't help but think, even though I don't have children right now, (laughs) Poppy's my child. Okay. She's a dog. Um, if you guys haven't heard of the show before, but Poppy is my beautiful eight month year old golden doodle. And that's been the hardest child I've had to take care of myself. Um, I'm not in a serious relationship. Um, not to say that you can't have a child and not be in a serious relationship. You can certainly do it on your own. I could probably even do it on my own. But what I'm basically getting to the point is that as a female, I'm 33, turning 34 in a couple of months. I can't help but think, you know, am I infertile? Will, if I ever wanted children, will I be able to have children? If I ever want children. Um, it's kind of a topic that guys, I know I have some great guys that listen to the show, but guys, um, you know, like you don't have to think about these things. Your, your clock's really not ticking. And this episode will definitely open up all of our eyes to that. You know, our egg counts, fertility rate, hormones. So, Okay. I'm jabbering on and on and on, but I wanted to let you guys know that you have options, right? If you want to potentially have the option to have a child, you know, maybe after you get your career really going, since that's the world we live in, or maybe you don't have the partner that you want, you're waiting, maybe you want to do surrogacy. I don't know. There's so many freaking options out there. Our guest on the show today is a fertility specialist. Guys, he's amazing. So you can tell that I'm super nervous in this episode. I'm just going to forewarn you because I have always, since a young child, been so nervous talking to doctors of any kind. So they're super smart. You know, they they know all the ins and outs of everything. I always feel like I'm going to be like bashed for what I say. I don't know. I'm just being honest, right? I get scared. Um, so he's widely intelligent. Dr. Mark Surrey is on the show today. Guys, he is, um, one of the founders of Southern California Reproductive Center. He has locations in Los Angeles as well as in Santa Barbara, which you'll find out. We didn't even know we were in the same town. I could have done a face-to-face, right? Um, But anyways, Dr. Suri is a board-certified reproductive and endoscopic surgeon and serves as the clinical professor in the Department of Obstetrics Obstetrics? Oh my gosh, seriously. And gynecology at the David Geffen School of Medicine at UCLA. Yes, go Bruins. He is also Associate Director for Advanced Technologies at SCRC, providing IVF services to UCLA and Cedars-Sinai Medical Center. Guys, he has been in practice for more than 25 years, so you know that when we have Dr. Suri on the show, we're talking to the expert here. So, I'm going to stop talking because I've been talking for probably about 10 minutes now. And you want to hear what the doc has to say. So here we are. We're diving in. We're going. 
the Just Being Honest podcast show has just turned on. Turn your volumes up. All right. Enjoy the show. Hi, guys. Welcome back to the Just Being Honest podcast. This is your host, KB, your lifestyle designer. Okay. I don't even need to just jabber on today because I want to bring our guest straight in. Um... If you know, like me, I've been sharing some of my health journeys, a lot of the blood tests that I've been getting done, a lot of the, oh, I don't know what's going on, yet in the back of my mind, I kind of thought I knew what was going on all along. And so that's why I also like to bring the professionals on the show so you guys can relate and kind of be like, okay, yeah, now we have some facts behind all this so we don't just guess what's going on medically in our life. Another really cool thing is that he is located in Santa Barbara, um, as well as in multiple areas. He's in Los Angeles and I believe Pasadena. He can correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm not even going to talk anymore. Without further ado, we have Dr. Suri on the show, and I will let him just tell a little bit more about himself. Welcome to the show, doctor. Thank you so much. Uh, It's a pleasure to be with you. And um, uh, I'm not uh, sure as to what specifics you'd like to get into, but um, we specialize in reproductive medicine and technology that can help folks with that. And so, um, you know, that being said, we have uh, centers here in Santa Barbara, as well as in Beverly Hills, and you're right, we're building out a new one in, in Pasadena. Uh, we have doctors who work in the different centers. Uh, personally, I work both in uh, Santa Barbara location as well as the Beverly Hills location. And other doctors uh, work in uh, Pasadena and uh, other locations as well. And we see people not only regionally and locally, but also from around the world who want to and take advantage of some of the technologies that we have that are somewhat unique um, in regard to different forms of reproductive services. So um, I'm sure that you and your listeners are aware of the fact that um, fertility is uh, not necessarily uh, something that we can all just take it, uh, uh, be assured is intact for us. We can't uh, obviously know that it is unless uh, we do conceive. There are issues with that that specifically may relate with women, particularly to chronologic age. Mm. So as we Uh, become as a society uh, more uh, educated, more affluent, Uh, what we tend to do is delay childbearing and our fertility in favor of different professional pursuits, which is fine, uh, but our fertility may not remain intact um, for the years that we do that because it evolves and continuously changes uh, throughout the 30s in particular for women. So the reason that we see that change is that firstly, 
the uh, quantity of eggs uh, diminishes, uh, and secondly, the quality of those eggs change genetically. And what that results in is a decreasing incidence of fertility uh, that is somewhat profound throughout the 30s and early 40s. So um, we find that there are a lot of uh, your listeners that we see as patients who um, are successful uh, individuals in whatever field of endeavor they've chosen and you know don't quite get the fact that they may be evolving into difficulties where they're not able to conceive when they'd like or perhaps they don't want to bother with uh, conception but rather they are going to be interested in it for the future so that uh, technically firstly it's possible to preserve one's fertility for the future by preserving eggs that can be either unfertilized or fertilized in the form of embryos. Mm -hmm. So there are lots of different uh, technologies that are available to your listeners now that uh, may serve them to preserve their fertility for the future. Let's say, for example, um, you know, you have a listener who's a 34-year-old attorney who is not presently interested in conceiving, but uh, perhaps wants to do so in the future. And we know that uh, as a 39-year-old or a 40-year-old person, her fertility is going to be different that is at 34, but it is possible to preserve the fertility that she has at 34 for the future by preserving either eggs that are unfertilized or eggs that are fertilized called embryos. It is only when an egg is fertilized that it can then be genetically tested. An unfertilized egg cannot be. So based upon a woman's age and other profile information about her, we can kind of come to the conclusion of how many unfertilized eggs it may be good for her to preserve for her future fertility. So for example, this 34-year-old lady that we're speaking of as an example, we would want to see eight to 10 eggs for a pregnancy for her. So if she would want to have two pregnancies, then that means 16 to 20 eggs, uh, as an example. And it may be that she's capable of producing that in one cycle with the aid of a naturally occurring uh, substance that comes from the pituitary gland called follicle-stimulating hormone. So when a person preserves her fertility for the future, it is by taking something like that that causes the ovaries to produce more eggs than they normally would and the process is monitored with a combination of ultrasounds and hormone levels to see how the individual is responding to the stimulants and 
when they have responded appropriately, which usually takes an average of 10 to 12 days of the stimulation, then by ultrasound, without a surgical procedure, the eggs can be aspirated and preserved by a process called vitrification, which is a very effective way of preserving human tissue. And it is a relatively new phenomenon, technically, that has been in place in our lab for 10 years, but uh, in some labs, they're just starting uh, to utilize that technology. But it enables you to know that whatever you fertilized uh, in the present is going to be potentially viable in the future. And it doesn't seem to make a big difference of the amount of time that the eggs, for example, are preserved for. Now, men can also preserve sperm in much the same way. The difference being is that men continuously produce sperm throughout their lives. So a man who's in his 50s may have sperm that is almost as good as it was when he was in his 20s. That is, however, not true for women. Uh, and so it's a little bit unfair from that perspective. And uh, we do, however, have the technology that allows people to preserve their fertility for the future. And so that's one of the things that your listeners may be interested in knowing. Okay, exactly. 100%. I mean... Let me just kind of, I had a thousand questions going through my head, but one being when you just mentioned that men's sperm, you know, continuously becomes produced. This is one, I'm sure all the ladies out there are agreeing with me and saying, okay, that's just one more thing we have to like loathe them for because, you know, it is a lot of pressure. I have to say, um, I'm 33, I'm turning 34 this year. I'm not in a serious relationship. I, even during the pandemic, I was like, should I, I've heard so many people like freezing their eggs. I'm like, should I even consider this? Um, but you know, I went down the Google rabbit trail and I was like, how much does something like this cost? And what does it do to our body when we do, um, you know, go into the preservation stage? Do we, um, is it kind of like the IVF journey as well? Well, it's like the IVF journey from the perspective of stimulating the ovaries. Um, but it, it ends at that because when you just preserve your eggs in an unfertilized state, that's the end of that, that part of the journey. And then the next part of it, which would be fertilizing the eggs and carrying a pregnancy is sometime in the, in the future. So when we do the preservation stage, say you do it in your, you use the 34 age example. Say you did it then and then say the female turned 50 and she was like, I think I could have a baby. Is that possible? It is, um, actually. Um, There are other potential issues uh, in the 50s that have to do with carrying a pregnancy from the perspective of, of the individual's renal system, cardiovascular system, and so forth. But 
if their uterus is intact, then it is possible to manipulate the lining of the uterus artificially with natural estrogen hormones to enable a woman to carry a pregnancy later in life. Yes. Okay. So that's good news. Not, I mean, I don't know what my plans are, guys. Hold on. But if any of you guys are out there thinking about, you know, timelines, don't freak out. You still have time. Um, you just need to start planning, I guess you would say. Um, so something I'm really curious about whenever I interview someone on the show is, especially in a field like this, um, what was your childhood upbringing like? You know, were you always fascinated by science and about, you know, the the you know, childbirth and, you know, bringing some, someone in the world? Or was it something that happened to long life that made you want to go into this um, specialization? Personally, uh, it was something that evolved. Uh, I was actually always interested in going into medicine. But um, I personally liked um, surgical procedures uh, more than medical therapies and was on the road to uh, doing cancer surgery as a fellowship. Um, but I, I had a personal experience with a friend of mine's mother who I operated on and did the greatest surgery on, but she passed away anyway uh, from a malignancy. And that sort of drove to home to me the uh, frustration that uh, exists when dealing with uh, cancer uh, because it is something that can progress without being in control of, you know, from the medical perspective or surgical perspective. And I found it depressing uh, personally. I found it to be uh, onerous. I, I, I found all the different medical complications. Um, uh, very tedious to deal with. And uh, at that same time, I was fortunate to be introduced to uh, these technologies as a, as a potential fellowship, which um, enabled me to learn about this field uh, at its beginning, which is not really all that long ago, and uh, see it uh, essentially evolve from a field that um, was not very effective 30 years ago to a field that's much more effective than normal fertility is today. And so we can take um, a person, for example, a woman who's 40, who struggles with her fertility and uh, create a situation where we identify genetically normal embryos from her and give her the same chance at a conception as she would have had uh, 20 years ago. So um, this technology has become very clinically effective and efficient. And in point of fact, uh, it is something that we use as a backup for our own normal physiology, meaning that if things don't work, we can go to this. But in point of fact, if you as let's say a 33 year old said, you know, 
I want to have a normal child nine months from now. How do I do it? That would be the way to do it. Would be through this technology, correct? Right. Or Because natural fertility is actually dependent upon many variables over which we can do some testing with hormone levels, ultrasounds, x-rays, sperm analyses, but uh, the only way to know what kind of an embryo you are going to create is to look at it. Hmm. And so, you know, it, it has gotten to be very efficient technically. And as I said, we use it now uh, as a almost last resort, but it doesn't have to be. We see people that come from other societies, uh, for example, that uh, want to control uh, their family balancing. They want to know when they're having a male, when they're having a female, make sure they have normal children and make sure they have children when they want them. Um, and so this technology allows for that sort of thing. I find it fascinating because I feel like, and I don't know, maybe this is just because I'm from Kansas originally, and I feel like, you know, there's a lot of big families when I was growing up, a lot of it, like my sister's a great example. She still lives in Kansas. She's pregnant with her fifth child, um, naturally just popping them out. But, you know, I moved out to California and then I have a lot of friends um, that are, are even younger than me that are having trouble with fertility and i've heard tons of people um i feel like the word hormones and getting my hormone levels checked has become so common i actually just got mine checked recently and i was surprised at what i found with a situation um and so why do you think that is do you think it is stress do you think it is our environment do you think it is the food that we are eating do you think it's all of the above what are your theories upon that? Upon what? About checking your hormones? Yeah, why you our know, hormones are so out of whack? Well, you, 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 you don't know that they are until you check them. And it's only been recently that we're able to check them. And there are, you know, different kinds of therapies available. But, you know, prior to this, let's say 20, 30 years ago, people didn't check their hormones as often. People probably had the same issues socially, emotionally, and physiologically as we do today. It's just that with the communications as we have them today, you know, we're able to become more aware of these things. So I don't think our physical beings have changed as much as you might imagine. Uh, as a result of the pandemic or as a result of emotional stress, I think that our levels of awareness of change are much, much more profound now than they used to be. Okay, one question I do have since you brought it up, the pandemic and burying a child and even um, preserving your eggs or sperm, um, do you find, is there any correlation, like if you had a vaccine, I know people have been researching on that, but if you get a vaccine, does that affect your fertility rate um, or your embryo? 
Um, have you found any research on that that you can kind of bring up to us? No, is the answer in a word. Uh, your uh, immune system, as it relates to uh, vaccinations, have no effect on your egg quality or your fertility. That's good news. That is good news, folks. So let's all keep it safe. <laughs> yeah. um, so another thing, when I was reading about more about what you and the center does, you do help um, families of all natures become pregnant. So the LGBTQ community, I find that just beautiful how you guys help every sort of family member. Um, how do you, how does that work? Cause I'm kind of curious, how does it work if say a lesbian couple comes in? Um, do you have a donor then come in like a sperm donor come in? Do they select a sperm donor? Is it kind of like the same as like a sur- using a surrogate? Yeah. Um, so for uh, two ladies, you obviously need sperm and there are cryobanks, sperm banks that are replete with a large variety of donor specimens. And so they're given access to different sperm banks that they can go through their um, different donor catalogs is basically what they are. And you can decide upon whom uh, you would like to use for your sperm donor, if you will. And that specimen is available. It's been tested. It's been cryopreserved. And um, it's available. That's kind of cool. Like, is there like <laughs> like a profile, like a picture of the the male, the donor on there? The candy. Oh, my gosh. Okay, this world has gotten way too crazy. But um, I want to ask you what, because I know you guys – at the Southern California Reproductive Center, you do provide a lot of educational events. Um, can you share with the listeners how they can kind of get involved and educate themselves a little bit more about your processes? Sure. Uh, first of all, um, events that we have have been largely remote events, such as webinars that um people can become aware of and uh, tune into uh, at their convenience. And we do this on a regular ongoing basis on different subjects. Um, The doctors uh, that are involved are all available remotely to have, you know, individual consultations uh, with people Um, and uh, depending upon what the situation is, what the consultation is about, who the person is, uh, it may be possible to then get information that may be necessary to give the individual conclusions about their situation by doing testing. Um, So, for example, in the Santa Barbara area, uh, we have a center... um, on State Street that uh, will allow us to do imaging with ultrasounds, uh, check hormone levels, which you alluded to, um, and uh, sort of get a profile, uh, a little bit about who you are and uh, what 
things might look like for you for your fertility oh my gosh i seriously i'm i think <laughs> i'm gonna be like talking about this more and more and more because as an advocate especially for women's health you know me being 33 i feel like I still have so much more to learn about the human body in general um, and what we're capable of. So I'm definitely going to spend some time on your, webs your website learning more about what you guys do. I'm going to definitely tune into one of your guys' webinars if I can. Um, and guys, I will have all of that information in the show notes. Um, and so let me ask you a question. Say one of my clients or listeners is not in the Santa Barbara or LA area. Can they still have a consultation with you? Sure. Um, first of all, um, you know, what, one of the things that our little pandemic, I think, has allowed us to do is come to the realization that there are a lot of things we can provide remotely. In other words, you, you don't have to be physically present to have an evaluation done, to have a consultation done. And so a lot of the um, impressions that, you know, there has to be a physical presence are probably not really true. And you can really do a lot uh, remotely as you can see. But, um, you know, uh, we take care of patients, for example, in the Santa Barbara office from Paso Robles, from uh, Five Cities area, from Ventura, Oxnard, and you know, the whole Central Coast area, um, as well as uh, inland to Bakersfield area. And we take care of people in the Beverly Hills, LA area from all over Southern California region, as well as internationally there. Prior to our pandemic, we had maybe over 20% of our um, technology patients came from China and Japan and the Far East. Uh, we still have a number of patients who come from Europe. And uh, the reason being is that uh, there are in some societies um, very uh, restricted reproductive laws. Uh, so in some societies, for example, um, it is not legal as a gay person to have assistance of reproduction. Mm. That's, you know, uh, a, 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 an issue that uh, we have addressed and, and we enable these people to travel and to uh, get whatever assistance they want. In other societies, uh, gestational surrogacy is illegal. That means for a woman who is not able to carry a pregnancy for whatever reason, maybe she has a diseased uterus, maybe she has an absent uterus, maybe she has pulmonary hypertension, some other medical condition that would be a contraindication for carrying a pregnancy. And there are societies for different reasons that don't allow this. Other societies don't allow genetic testing of embryos, uh, which we find to be essential to, um, you know, good reproductive health. So, um, you know, we, we do see a lot of people from international referrals for these reasons. So it's perfect. So all the modern women even out there can uh, 
can make it happen still. We can all make it happen. Um, Dr. Suri, you know what? Thank you so much for your time. I am unbelievably grateful for you and your knowledge. I know everyone listening is. Um, and I'm going to put all the information in the show notes. So everyone can get in touch with you. But guys, the website is scrcivf.com. Remember, that is Southern California Reproductive Center. Um, and you know what? I just, I'm giving you an air high five over on the other side of the street in Santa Barbara since we're both in the same town. But yes, we are still remote, guys. Um, so thank you again. This was such a treat. Pleasure. All right. Thanks for uh, having me. And you should stop by and say hi one day. I for surely, surely will. All right, guys, it's been an honor. It's been a pleasure. We'll talk to you next time. I love a good wealth of knowledge from a doctor. Seriously. I, you know what? <laughs> to be honest, if I was going to be any doctor, I would probably w- want to be the same thing. One that brings life into the world. What a joy, right? So guys, I hope you enjoyed every single second of this episode today. My gift to you. There you go. So in return, I would love the support. If you liked this episode, if you liked this content, please let me know. Head on over to Apple iTunes and send in a rating and a review. And while you're at it, send the link over to your friends and your family. That way we know that this content, this information that we're giving out to you guys is one that you guys are enjoying. All right. So another thing I have to say is... um, All of the information for the doctor's surrogacy and fertility services are all in the show notes below. So you can head on over, ask them more questions about your pregnancy adventures. Guys, yes, it is all an adventure. So if you have questions, do not be bashful. I know I get super nervous, especially within this topic. So I probably will stop by there Santa Barbara office and just kind of like pick their brains a little bit more. All right. Until next time, it's been an honor. It's been an absolute pleasure. I love you all so much. Be safe. Stay healthy. Ciao.